I'm Meg Dahl, your unbreakable host. Welcome to the show. and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Unbreakable You podcast. I hope you all are having a great week so far. It is Wednesday if you are listening to this live, so happy Wednesday. And like I said, I hope you're having a great week. We are entering into the last part of October and I don't know about you, but I just absolutely love this time of year. I know I said it in one of my previous podcast episodes, but I truly, truly do come alive this time of year. I do. It's just I have always been that way and I don't really know the reasons why behind that, but there is something about fall and like September, October specifically, where I just feel so alive. And maybe this is also why I am getting this very intense urge to chop my hair off. And it's funny because anytime I get like the impulse to chop my hair off, it is always during kind of like this time of year, like September, October, early winter, I always want to chop my hair off. And if you haven't been following along on Instagram, because I know a lot of you who listen to this podcast, you aren't really on Instagram, or maybe you're just not seeing my stuff on Instagram, but this is just a little side note about what's occupying my brain space these days is I cannot stop thinking about cutting my hair. So my hair is pretty long right now. It is like hovering above like my butt pretty much. It's past my belly button. We'll just say that. So it's pretty long. It is the longest it's ever been in my life. I love my long hair. However, it has been, gosh, what is it? Um, The last time I cut my hair, it was in 2016. So it's been a really long time. Like, obviously, I've had little micro trims every few months since then. But the last significant change I made to my hair was in 2016. And it's funny because... I do this. I chop my hair every, like, I don't know, 10-ish, like, 6 to 10 years or something like that. I don't know how long it, like, actually turns out to be, but I go through these cycles in my life where I get my hair really long and then I do a massive chop and then it's, like, 6, 7, 8 years where I'm just growing it out. So, anyways, that is 
the thing that is occupying my brain space these days. I have a appointment booked for myself for November 20th. And honestly, that date cannot come fast enough. After I booked it, I was kind of going back and forth and second guessing my decision to cut my hair. And I thought by the time November rolls around, I might just do one of my normal like micro trims because I really do love my long hair. But lately I have been just on Pinterest and TikTok and Instagram and looking at all of these really, really cute short bob hairstyles and I'm gonna do it. I think I'm ready for a change. And yeah, so those are updates from me. And that also kind of, you know, has to do with what we're going to be talking about today. We're not going to be talking about hairstyles or getting haircuts, but I think this is kind of a cool way to move into what we are talking about. So if you've been listening to the last few episodes of the podcast, you'll know that I am answering listener questions about eating disorder and hypothalamic amenorrhea recovery and something about like experiencing an eating disorder or having disordered eating a real true thing about being in that season of your life or experiencing that in your life is the thing that is likely occupying your brain space during that time of your life is food. Like, I know that was very true for me when I was struggling with an eating disorder or disordered eating because they're two different things, but I personally experienced both in my life. Um, But anyways, any single time I was restricting my food and preoccupied and disordered with food, the thing that was occupying my brain space was food, obviously. (laughs) Like my, our brains are going to fixate on food if we are not getting enough food, right? If we are not properly and fully nourished, our minds are going to fixate on food because honestly, our minds and our nervous systems are absolutely brilliant. We might be moving through life. I know a lot of us can get frustrated with our minds and the thoughts that pop up for us. And maybe you're in your recovery journey right now, or maybe you are on a healing journey right now and you are getting kind of frustrated with all of these thoughts that seem to be like fixating on food, but that's actually such a brilliant response from your body because your body is trying to communicate with you that that's actually what it is needing right now. And so I wanted to share that because a sign of recovery, and we talked about whether or not full recovery is possible last week. And so if you didn't listen to last week's episode, I highly recommend going back because I did receive a lot of really positive feedback on last week's episode. But just for a very short and quick answer, yes, full recovery is possible 
and one of the beautiful signs of being recovered is having this (laughs) space in your mind to think about things other than food but like you just don't think about food anymore like my brain during the day like I said what's taking up my brain space right now is how excited I am to cut my hair and basically deciding whether I want it like chin length or collarbone length or armpit length right I'm just kind of (laughs) deciding on what kind of cut I actually want to go with and that's what's occupying my mind right now and it's It's such a sign of recovery to not be constantly thinking about food all the time. And when I start working with a client who is on their journey to healing their relationship with food, that's something that we often see or that's something that they often share with me is that they are constantly thinking about food And I get it. I was there for so, so, so many years of my life constantly thinking about food. So I just wanted to let you know that, you know, because last week we talked about signs of quasi or semi-recovery. And then a sign of full recovery is actually being able to, like, not think about food or you just naturally You just don't think about food until maybe you notice, you know, like, oh, I'm a little hungry. What do I want to eat for lunch or dinner or breakfast or a snack, right? Like that's normal. It's normal to think about food. It's normal to experience these cravings or these hunger fluctuations throughout the day. That's normal. And we actually want that. We want to be experiencing these hunger fluctuations throughout the day, but we, what's a sign of being in a maybe restrictive place or a sign of actually not eating enough is constantly thinking about food. Whereas a sign of full recovery is not really thinking about food until you're hungry for food or until, you know, mealtime rolls around and you're like, okay, I gotta figure out what to eat tonight, right? But a beautiful sign of full recovery is being able to just like go about your day and not be thinking about food. So we do have listener questions today or a listener question today. So I actually received this one not on Instagram but through email. So I really appreciate this. She knows who she is and I'm so excited to answer this question So she kind of sent two questions in. So the first question is, if you could do just one thing towards recovery, what would it be? And I got so giddy when I read over her questions because they're so good. They're so juicy. So if you could do just one thing towards recovery, what would it be? So obviously, you know, I've been talking about how 
you know, there's all of these different things that we can do to support ourselves throughout recovery. And also, as I'm talking about this right now, I'm thinking about my clients who I'm supporting through recovery right now. And for a lot of them, it can feel really overwhelming because they know where they're at, they know where they want to be, and it just feels like there's all these things that they should be doing or they need to be doing in order to recover. So it can feel like a lot. So that's partially why I really love this question from this listener is like, if you could just like give me one thing to do, what would that be to support me on my recovery journey? So I love this. And honestly, I had to sit with it for a really long time because like I said, of course, there's like all of these things that we can be doing to support ourselves throughout recovery. So I can't exactly remember the day I received this question, but it's been a few days now and I've been sitting with this question and I know my answer and I'm happy with my answer. I think this is a really great answer. So I would say if you know, you just want to focus on one thing, like let's simplify your recovery, right? Maybe you're in recovery right now and you're feeling really overwhelmed or you're not really sure where to start. Maybe you're not working with a practitioner and you feel kind of alone in your recovery journey and just really don't know where to start. This is what I would say would be like, If you could do one thing, this is it. And that would be taking one tolerable step every single day. So I've talked about consistency before and how important consistency is during recovery, right? We like recovery isn't like a hobby, right? Recovery isn't something that like we are going to be doing on Monday and then we just stop and then every Monday we just kind of start again right that's not being consistent with recovery and in order to get to this place of full recovery like we do need to show up for ourselves every day and make these recovered choices for ourselves every day so If I was to do just one thing or if I was to recommend just one thing to do during your recovery journey, it would be to do one tolerable step every single day. Now, I know I have talked about what a tolerable step is, but that's been episodes and episodes and episodes ago. So let's talk about like what I actually mean by doing one tolerable step every single day to support you on your recovery journey. So what a tolerable step means, and this is language that we use in somatic experiencing. We talk a lot about the next tolerable step. And when we're taking these tolerable steps every single day, that is going to support us in taking these positive healing steps forward without overwhelming our nervous system and kind of like re-traumatizing ourselves or sending ourselves back to feeling stuck 
with struggling with food or body, exercise, etc., whatever you're struggling with right now. So what the next tolerable step offers us is doing something that actually does create some activation for you. So a tolerable step isn't something that's just like super easy, okay? A tolerable step is like, whoa, okay, that causes a little bit of activation. Like, And when I say activation, I'm talking like that's creating a little bit of discomfort inside, right? So like I said, the tolerable step isn't going to be this thing that's like super easy and it's not even really a, and I'm using air quotes here, but like it's not even a challenge for you, right? But I don't really like using that language challenge. I really do love this next tolerable step language. And when we can see and understand that the next tolerable step is actually going to, and it should, create or bring up a little bit of activation inside. So like I said, a little bit of discomfort inside of you. However, that discomfort that comes along with that next tolerable step or the tolerable step that you decide on, that discomfort or that activation is not too much that it overwhelms your system. Okay, so let me give you an example. Now, let's say you are quite deep into restricting your food intake right now. You have a lot of food rules and you're nowhere near the amount of calories you should be eating every single day. Let's say you're eating only breakfast, lunch, and dinner, but they're very, very small portions. So obviously you have a long way to go, right? Or a lot of changes could be done to support your body and support you in the way that you nourish your body. So going from three really small meals a day to a meal plan that, you know, might include three meals, three snacks, and all of them are properly sized and balanced, like going from where you're at to the other option that I just described, that is likely way too big of a jump. And what will happen is that that activation or that discomfort that I described before is going to feel or it probably will feel so big, so overwhelming that you're just not going to be able to do it at all, right? And so when we try to do things that are way too much or way too big or way too fast paced for us, right? When we try to do these things that we're not actually ready to do, that's what like keeps us stuck in the cycle that we're in or the path that we're on. So if you feel like, why can't I make any changes, right? I want to fully recover, but I'm just like, I feel so stuck. Maybe that's the answer. Maybe you're trying to do like five steps when we like need to just choose that one tolerable step, 
right? And like I said, the magic here is making sure that step does have some activation along with it. Like it's not going to feel super, super comfortable. There's going to be some discomfort in that. And even though it's uncomfortable or there's some activation there, you also know that you can do it. Okay. So this is where maybe working with a practitioner can come in very helpful because a practitioner like myself who has awareness and understanding of the nervous system, we can work together in actually building capacity to hold space for this discomfort. So we are okay in moving through these tolerable steps. I'm not saying you have to, be working with someone to do this but I'm just saying if you are listening to this and you're like I cannot even think about a tolerable step that I wouldn't completely feel overwhelmed doing then working with someone who can hold space for you and offer you a regulated nervous system so you have a chance to co-regulate that can be really beneficial in your healing journey. However, going back to this listener's question about just one thing that um, can be supportive on their recovery journey, if I was to just choose one thing, it would be that next tolerable step. Now, here's why I love my answer so much, not to toot my own horn, but the reason why I love this answer so much is because it really speaks to the fact that like no one's recovery journey is ever going to look the same, right? So some of us who are struggling with an eating disorder or disordered eating or whatever it is, some of us are going to have certain like behaviors and relationships and traumas around food and for others it's going to be more body related for others it's going to be very exercise related right but in recovery the thing that is going to be the most supportive and create the most change or create like the most progress allow you to experience the most progress is taking that next tolerable step now here's another thing that i will say about tolerable steps initially it might feel like you're not making any progress that's something else that a lot of my clients feel like when we're doing when we're working together in like a somatic experiencing lens Because the cool thing about somatic experiencing is the work that we do inside a somatic experiencing container, it is so gentle because we are honoring the capacity of the client's nervous system. So it is gentle, right? We're not overwhelming the system. We're not feeling overwhelmed and like we're doing too much, too fast, too soon, right? That's not the point. We are honoring the nervous system and honoring the nervous system of that client. And so the work that we do actually does feel like quite gentle. And so initially, 
what I experience or what I hear from a lot of my clients is like, oh, I'm not really making progress because as humans, we tend to think that recovery and like healing has to be hard and we have to be working so hard at it and it has to be kind of like this miserable grueling thing and here's the thing about me I think we can actually have like fun during our healing journey and it should be fun but I think you know it can actually feel like this really exciting journey to be on like maybe it doesn't have to be this heavy grueling daunting thing right and so that's what I'll say about like taking that next tolerable step it has to be like a little bit activating but not so activating that it overwhelms your system okay so I hope that makes sense But if you are going through your recovery journey right now and you were also wanting to know just like one thing that I would recommend doing on recovery, it would be to take that next tolerable step. So what you could do, this is how it could maybe like play out in real life for you is every single day, like, okay, what would be that like one thing for me that feels a little bit scary but I think I can do it. I think I'm ready to do that, right? And so remember that example that I gave before. If you're eating three really tiny meals a day and you know that eventually you want to get to this place of eating three large, balanced, nourishing meals and three balanced, nourishing snacks throughout the day, well, we're not going to go from A to B, right? But maybe we can look at one of those three small meals that you're having and get curious about, okay, what would be that tolerable step there, right? Like maybe it's breakfast. Okay, so what does breakfast look like right now? How much could we add to breakfast that feels tolerable, right? That's a little bit of a stretch. There's a little bit of discomfort in doing that, but it's not overwhelming to you that you actually won't do that. And honest to goodness, like that is what we need to be doing throughout recovery. We always need to be taking those tolerable steps, these steps that feel a little bit dis like a little bit uncomfortable or bring up some discomfort, but we can also do them. Now, her second question is, what made the biggest difference to you recovering from remaining in your eating disorder? So what made the biggest difference in my recovery? So my answer here is actually different than the answer for, you know, what is one thing to do through recovery? Because... I struggled with an eating disorder from a very young age. I was 10 years old and then I recovered. I relapsed when I was 15. And when I was diagnosed with anorexia again at 15, it took me a really, really long time to recover from that eating disorder. It kind of went from anorexia into orthorexia. And I just feel like I was 
like stuck in quasi or semi recovery for a very long time after that experience with anorexia in like my teens in high school. Now, one thing that I think just made a world of a difference for me personally, and I was still doing like those, that next tolerable step. So I'm not saying forget everything else that I said. We, we still want to be doing that next tolerable step. But the reason I'm going to share with you what I am about to share is because I worked with many different practitioners throughout my recovery, right? Like doctors, psychiatrists, psychologists, social workers, dietitians, all the things. And it wasn't until later on in my recovery journey that I was introduced to internal family systems or parts work that I knew it at the time. I I called it parts work at the time. And I did an entire podcast episode on parts work. But honestly, like relating to the parts within me as parts within me made the biggest difference. And the reason for that is I, when I grew up, And when I was going through recovery, I very much like approached my eating disorder as something that I needed to get rid of or that was like this bad part of me or this bad thing that I needed to get rid of, right? Like I saw or I related to the eating disorder as this bad thing that needed to be changed or fixed or just like rid of my life like I needed it gone and what parts work offered me was relating to my fears and my feelings in such a different way so instead of being like oh like my eating disorder wants me to do this or you know oh that was a like eating disorder behavior whatever it was like that just felt so dark and heavy to me and it was really hard to push that out of my life and the reason for that is because all of the parts within us are actually like there's no bad parts within us okay so like none of our parts are bad and we never want to get rid of any parts within us we want to understand them and actually support them and eventually unburden them from these wounds that they're holding on to. And parts work was just such a different approach to the way that I had approached eating disorder recovery in the past. It was so much more compassionate, right? I was approaching these parts within myself with such compassion rather than seeing them as something to get rid of or change about myself so I would say to answer her question about like what made the biggest difference in my personal recovery was incorporating parts work into my recovery because it just gave me a totally new perspective and I really do believe that was one of the things that was keeping me so stuck was trying to get rid of these parts of myself 
rather than get to know them, understand them, and support them and really free them from these burdens that they were holding on to or these wounds that they were holding on to. So that is something that I have now studied, I incorporate into my sessions with my clients, and I have seen such a huge shift in my clients by incorporating parts work and also somatic work. I think they just go so beautifully together. They really do complement each other. I think somatic work um, really gives us an understanding of the nervous system and offers us an opportunity to complete these self-protection responses that didn't have a chance to complete during the time of the event, whereas parts work offers us this whole new way of relating to our inner world and bringing in a lot of compassion and curiosity. So I really do feel like both of the practices and like the therapy techniques offer such a beautiful tool for recovery. And that's my personal approach when I'm working with my clients. And like I said, I've just um, noticed such a beautiful shift in my clients since um, stepping into like the role of being a somatic parts work practitioner. So that is where I will leave us for today. I do have more questions about eating disorder recovery. So that will be probably next week's episode. We'll continue the topic. And if you have any questions for me that you would like answered on the show, please send them my way. I love hearing from you. And I just want to thank all of you who have been either personally messaging me and letting me know that you're enjoying the podcast episodes or taking a screenshot and posting it to Instagram or social media and sharing it with your friends. Like it just means the absolute world to me to know that you're listening and you're loving the content. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I just wanted to thank you for that. And I will see you next week. Oh,